Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I've been doing this thing where, like, I hate scripted intros. So this okay. is going to be my introduction because I just I, – I don't like the, the scriptedness. And everyone knows who you are. I mean, you're – you're Quinn. You're Sna- You're Mr. Well, Snazzy I Labs. I don't know about that, but uh, you know, thanks. <laughs> Quinn Nelson's joining us. Uh, honestly, so happy to finally make this work. Hartley had to. Actually, Hartley was the one who's been trying to avoid you. He had to go and get COVID just to like not do I, this. I did. I did. Well, you know, at least you come around to me this time. I'm glad to be on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So there's actually quite a lot happening, which is weird because in December, yeah. like. You know how it goes. Like we're struggling yeah. to find topics, and sixteen point two being like kind of a decent update is something I didn't peg to happen like a couple months ago. But it's a pretty big update, and there are a lot of new features. So I would first like to get your thoughts on the update as a whole. Have you been able to uh, to test it out, both of you, by the way? Yeah, um, I'm running it right now on my uh, on my iPhone. I don't know that I've. Uh, updated all of my other devices yet, but uh, we're <laughs> slowly chipping away at it, right? Right. Um, so I have had the uh, really all I've played with thus far is Apple Music Sing, um, which is pretty cool. Um, What's you know, your favorite song a, to sing? A, <laughs> oh boy, I don't know. Can you do it for us right now? Guy? Is what I want. <laughs> sure, anytime. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, this is not something that would typically be up my alley, but um, I played around with it. It's pretty cool. Um, to my understanding, they're, they're, it's mostly prevalent on um, Dolby Atmos tracks where they can just dip out the vocal tracks. So it's, it's kind of interesting because it, it re- seemingly requires stems for them to, to make that happen, which is different from uh, what a lot of people thought, which was kind of AI-based uh, you know, vocal cancellation, which... Um, would be cool, but seems a little more difficult. And then much better than what has been around forever, where you just dip out the frequencies where vocals are typically prevalent. <laughs> and then you get this kind of crunchy, yeah. uh, not not very good playback. So yeah, it sounded good. Um, I could even see uh, an application where you could throw on a on a you know on a playlist and just not have vocals if you're trying to have you know kind of just a chill background music type deal so um yeah it's pretty cool i haven't turned on advanced data protection because uh you have to have everything running the most current version of ios mac os homepod os and um i have a lot of devices (laughs) so it'll probably take me you know several weeks to get to the point where i can flip that on yeah i don't think i can turn it on either someone yelled at me the other day they're like you should have turned it on and walked it through and i'm like that's gonna take me at least three weeks i'm gonna have to find all the iphones and (laughs) tablets them all up yeah yeah. like i don't i might as well just not do it and just kind of call that and one people in. are like well just remove them from your account i'm like well no because i still want to <laughs> use them eventually yeah, yeah. one of them's like them. my one of them's like my kid's ipad he doesn't want that on yeah like, kind of stuff and then like <clears throat> mac os gotta be on the latest version 
I've been holding out on upgrading to Ventura because I just, I, I know it's, it's good persnickety, but I hate the new system setting so bad. Oh yeah. It's so bad. <laughs> that I, I have it on my laptop and every time I go in there, my brain wants to explode. So on my work computer, I'm like, Nope, we're just sticking to what works. And uh, I have a couple servers that are running Mac OS. I think one of them is running high Sierra. So it's like, yeah, boy, you know, anyway, Harley, what are, what are your thoughts on some of, some of your favorite 16.2 features? Are you a big Apple Music sing guy? I mean, with your voice, I mean. Well, I, I don't I don't know about for singing, but I I think that it's it's one of those features that's the first thing that everyone has gone and played with, um, because it's something you can you can try so so quickly and so immediately, yeah. and you can really you look you look for you know your favorite songs and really try and. Uh, try and see just how well it is working um, and I was just surprised that just how many songs um, already seem to be available it's not just a you know a, a small collection of playlists um, I was looking at some trying to find some of the more obscure songs in my in my library um, and not everything is is there but I would say about 75 percent of the songs I encountered do seem to support it which seems to be very high I don't know if, um, if it is just Dolby Atmos that wasn't my experience. That it, it yeah. does seem mm. to be doing some AI jiggery pokery somewhere. That's what I was um, wondering if if it's doing it like for the ones that don't have Dolby Atmos because you can tell like there's a huge difference in my opinion from like when you're trying to bring it all the way down, you can still see it sounds a little funky on some of the songs that don't yeah. support Dolby, and then when it does, it's like pretty seamless. Like they do, like they are lowering down the vocals of the stem there. Um, also, what is the qualifications for the song to work? Because I've noticed like one album that I'm listening to, a couple songs will work, and then some of them just don't have that option. Uh, like hmm. someone said, singability, and I'm like, oh man, I don't know about the song that I'm listening to being something that <laughs> that has high sing. Like I don't know. I even did some death metal in there, and it works. It sounds hilarious, hmm. but it works. Like hmm. the growls even cut. Like you can just faintly hear it. It's funny. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's got to be linked into the way that lyrics are handled in Apple Music. Okay. Um, it seems to be it yeah. seems to be strongly related to that system, and, and lyrics do behave weirdly when you uh, when you f do find a song on Apple Music that does not support live lyrics. Um, mm. And I think it, it, it's got to it's got to be in there, and whether um, that's actually been built in from the start. Um, but it's nice to see Apple layering in these features. Um, you know, I was I was recently trying out Spotify again, and sort of considering. You know, did I did I prefer some of the things that Spotify does? And Spotify does do some things excellently, but it is really nice when you see Apple just trying to provide these little quality of life enhancements. Um, even as you say, Quinn, just to provide some great background music. That's actually exactly what I was using it for. It's a bit jarring because you can't control which, which songs uh, you know do right. and don't support it. But it, it's it's I think it has more utility than just um, actually just for karaoke. I would say Spotify does one thing really well, and that's playlists. Other than that, um, I don't know. Like, a part of me wants to switch to Apple Music because I do visually like the look of everything, although I've heard a lot of people don't like the UI, and I'm thinking that's more like a functionality thing, right? Yeah, I don't know. It depends on who you ask. I hate Spotify. Okay. Because I am a weirdo, and I listen to albums typically in their entirety. So I don't build playlists. That's... I don't typically listen to radio stations. Um, and so Spotify in that regard is not appealing to me because Spotify is not at all library focused, right? You can. You can build up a library of albums, but that's not how it works. It's horrible. It's horrible. Right. 
And so every time I go in there, I'm like, ah, oh, I hate this. And it's it's good. I have it in my car. And when I get in the car, I'll just you know click on a uh, on one of the playlists that it's created in the stations, and they work pretty well. But when I want to you know kind of actually listen to music, um, I like Apple Music because it actually has you know traditional library management, um, and that's because it's essentially just writing on the on the dead uh, bones of iTunes, right? Right. So. Um, yeah, I like it in that regard. I also like Tidal for the same reason. I do tend to think that Apple Music's discovery functionality is the worst of everyone's. Um, I actually thought Tidal was quite good, um, and Apple really? Music is just not at all good. Once an album ends after like four or five songs, without fail, I'm like, what am I listening to? Um, <laughs> Dude, Spotify <laughs> is so Spotify good. Spotify and Tidal, yeah. you're like, oh, so actually, good. I, I kind of like this. Yeah, That's the so, reason why I keep it around. It's just like... right. Like that's the discovering. Like I, I listen to playlists if I don't know what like what album I want to do. But I'm also like you. I want to listen to an album from, especially if you discover a new band. I'm like, all right, let's start. Let's dig in. Let's get into everything. And yeah, it's it's a horrible way to manage your artists in your library. And that's the reason why I want to switch to Apple Music. But the biggest thing is, uh, I still have a Tesla, and the Spotify app was the only way until now. They finally yeah. released Apple Music, so now I'm kind of flirting. And plus, Apple Music just sounds way better. Spotify's, yeah. uh, you know, that whole. No, and the, and the value proposition is fantastic <laughs> because you can get those high resolution kind of, uh, uh, you know, high bit rate tracks for yeah. 10 bucks a month. And Tidal and the other services that do offer it are still quite a bit more expensive. It's not an option on Spotify. But one of the reasons I, I pay for, um, I, I guess, I pay for four streaming <laughs> services. Uh, I pay for Apple Music. I pay for Amazon Music, which. I don't know why. Uh, I get YouTube music as a result of paying for YouTube premium. Okay. And then I pay for Spotify. And one of the reasons I pay for Spotify is what you just said. Spotify, yeah. for good and bad, have made it that priority to make it easy. They're they're in everything. Anytime there's something that supports, you know, third party music, it's always Spotify. And or if it's not the only option, it's one of the options. And Apple Music's integrations are so few and far between. Um that that's one of the reasons why I really struggle with it because, you know, it's just where are you going to listen to Apple Music unless you're on your Apple devices or Android, I guess, <laughs> or your Tesla, which I don't own anymore. So that's uh, Yeah, I was going to say, you still don't, you, you didn't get the, the cool holiday update, huh? I know, right? Yeah. I haven't I gotten it yet either, actually. Update, but... but Apple Music was not included, unfortunately. Ah, uh, womp womp. <laughs> Um, all right, before we move on, I do quickly want to say, am I the only one who kind of hates that Apple Music and podcasts are two separate apps and likes the way that Spotify does it, where they're all in one? Okay. I'm not the only one? Nope. Oh. Or you don't like you that? You like that? I do, just for the simplicity of like, hey, it's all in one app. But I know I think I'm oh, the only wow. one in that. Yeah. That's illegal. Go to jail. But you guys uh, hate, no. you hate the podcast app, don't you, Hartley? I, I <laughs> well, of course I, of course I hate it. But I, well, I've moved back to Overcast now. But okay. I, I think that the thing that bugged me recently when I was trying to use Spotify was all I all I was getting all the time was just podcast suggestions. When <laughs> That's I want to they listen do. to music, they're you, really you, shoving you it down your throat. One or the other, you don't, you don't, you don't want to be thinking about both. And now with audiobooks being layered in there as well, I, I kind of get the idea of having something that is for all audio media. But to kind of put it all together and 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 make it. Uh, algorithmically as well that it is drawing those conclusions with that content together um it's not how most people can actually consume their content i think um and i i, I like it when 
uh, I can just go into a, a simpler experience just for one or the other. I just wish that it was a, a better experience in the case of the Apple Music app. Quinn? I'm an Overcast user as well. Okay. I've always I, uh, believed yeah. there to be a, a perfect delineation between podcasts and music just because they're such wildly different content, right? Um, but I'm also the type of person that, um, you know, doesn't really want Audible in their uh, in their music app. But I'm sure some people have presented the option would. And I, in fact, Spotify does support audiobooks now, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're yeah, starting to really it. push that yeah. down. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, in that kind of area, I'm like, good but um it's mostly because i like specific apps to do their own thing i am very much not a believer in elon's um x app that does it all uh no let me let me have specific apps for specific tasks (laughs) (laughs) um what about freeform have you tried that yet beyond just i haven't um it looks really cool um i don't really know what i would use it for which is why i haven't uh downloaded it but it looks pretty neat I have, I think, I'm actually not running 16.2 on my iPad. So oh, okay, I think that's pretty much everyone else's thoughts on it. Like, this is cool. I probably won't use it, but it's here. <laughs> Harley, have there you had you a chance to mess around with it? Uh, no, it doesn't remotely excite me. I have okay. to say, it's one of it's one of those apps. It's like one of the uh, there's always for everyone one of those apps in like the iWork suite that you just uh, yeah, never yeah. used. Good old um, iWork. Like Keynote or something. And it's 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 more or less one of those where I'm sure one day I'll be very grateful to use it and I'm sure it will work uh, very well for that. But it's not something that, uh, that, that makes me very excited. Okay, what about, this is the last thing for 16.2. What are our thoughts on advanced data protection? Because I've seen some pretty wild thoughts out there and uh i don't know i'm guessing we're all in agreement that it's a good thing but you'd be surprised what people think um i know the fbi doesn't like it but you know yeah yeah you don't really um, care i think i think it's a good thing i mean there's a lot of people that are misinterpreting this to be the first thing in ios that's encrypted that's not the case at all, right? Keychain and a number of extensions have already been for years um, kind of encrypted on on device or uh, or tokenized because that's the way that it has to work when doing web communication. Um, and now this just bundles everything else in from messages to, to your iCloud Drive content, which I, I honestly can't believe before wasn't. Um, and, uh, you know, the whole shebang. And I think it's fantastic. I think that... Um, there's a lot of people that have been wondering why Apple hadn't done it already, because this is a feature that has been available on Android for years, um, mm-hmm. if you so choose to do it. Um, it's not seamlessly kind of built in, but it's it's something that's possible. Um, and, and it's actually why in some instances, I mean, you have historically companies like BlackBerry and a few others that were out making Um, kind of secure Android phones because they were the ones that allowed you to do it if you really wanted that. And so a lot of government agencies and all that stuff had actually been using Android for years and years and years just until I think, I don't know if it was Obama. One of our recent presidents was like, nah, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Like this is my iPhone is what I'm using. And so, so everyone was pretty sure that was pretty sure that was Trump. (laughs) Yeah, it may have been, may have been, but um yeah, I think it's good because it kind of just bundles everything else. And I think one of the reasons they waited this long was, A, they needed to make it, um, they needed to do it right. I like that you have to opt in because for most people, 
they probably shouldn't. Not because they don't have anything that shouldn't be encrypted or secured, but people are um, sometimes dumb. And I know that Apple stores and Apple themselves deal with people all the time who oh, need iCloud recovery and all this stuff because they've lost their devices and they can't do the six you know digit um, two factor. Uh, or, you know, just crazy stuff. Some of them get really, really out there. I use my sister, Lover, as an example where <laughs> uh, I think she got her first iPod Touch and set up a uh, an, an iCloud account as an, ex- as an extension of that before she was 13. And so we or she or someone just BS'd her birthday because we're like, well, she's not 13, so this is how we got to get her, uh, you know, an account. And uh, she had a recovery issue a couple of years ago and was able to get it recovered. Um, it took several days and they needed, you know, you know, uh, a proof of ID. And I think they even wanted to verify mailing address. But they had a system in place to help recover stuff like this when you're like, I don't know my password. I don't have any devices with two-factor authentication. I don't even have my birthday because we lied about that. <laughs> like, Did you tell yeah, them that you lied about it? I think she did. Yeah. And that kind of yeah. helped him kind of go, okay, yeah. yeah, this happened. They didn't seem surprised that it happened before. Right. Um, but there are a lot of people that probably shouldn't enable this because it is truly encrypted. So if you lose your password, if you lose your recovery key, you're boned. And people have the tendency when things go wrong to not be introspective, but blame Apple and blame everyone else because, oh, you, why did you make it this way? So I like that it's opt-in only and it actually, you know, not actively discourages it, but it's like, hey, you really need to know you want to do this. And I think the fact that it makes all the devices be on the most current version, eventually everything will be, but the barrier to entry right now is high enough that I think it's good so that it's not, you know, for people that, that probably shouldn't enable it, they're not going to be encouraged to enable it. And in classic Apple fashion, you update and it's like, okay, thanks. You're you're updated. Like if you don't know it's there or you don't go to Mac rumors or whatever, you're never going to know that it's a thing. Right. right. So, um, yeah, but I think it's I think it's great. Um, encrypted backups, in particular, are something that have needed to be a thing for a long, long, long time. And so I'll enable it at some point, uh, not because I am a super important person that you know is actively trying to be hacked, but uh, <laughs> you know, just because it's a it's a thing I'd want to enable. I like keeping my data mine. I I couldn't agree more, Hartley. I'm guessing. What are the thoughts over there in the EU for this? This this not available for you guys yet, right? Or it is? Uh, no, not just yet, but okay. it is getting a, a pretty comprehensive international expansion, um, which is really nice to see because I could very easily see this just being a US only feature. Um, so I, I think that uh, Quinn actually put it put it great about exactly why this is useful and why you would want it, um, why Apple has actually executed it in this way. Um, but it is worth adding that it is particularly surprising that this is this is going to be such a a, a, a wide uh, a wide release for that feature, particularly in some countries that uh, you might think Apple might have been a little bit reluctant to uh, to bring it yeah. to. Cool. Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, unless anyone else has anything they want to say about sixteen point two, our main discussion, uh, you know, because everyone likes talking about something we have to wait almost a full year for, is uh, is the iPhone fifteen because there's been a lot of. Uh, a lot of buzz surrounding it. Most recently, changing the Pro Max to the Ultra. Let's start with that because naming has always been just awesome at Apple, and everyone loves the iPhone 14 Pro Max Ultra 
whatever we're going to call it these days. So do you guys like just kind of making getting rid of the pro moniker and going ultra for some of these? Or does it add more confusion because we still have iPad Pro and MacBook Pro? Unless they change all of that as well. And then there's the M1 Max, the M1 Pro, the M1 Ultra. Am I making everyone's head spin? Like what? <laughs> it's bad. Every yeah. time you think, oh, Apple's naming can't get any worse, somehow they pull it off. Which is surprising because a number of years ago, I thought that they had done a pretty good job at keeping things consistent. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. I've, I'm not one of the people that has, I've teased it before, but I've, I've not been one of the people that has been so anti-pro. It's just a marketing name, right? So I know mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that are stoked because they're like, finally, you know, pro doesn't mean what Apple thinks it means. So let's, let's change it. I do find the word ultra a little funny because, um, well, uh, it's already being used, like you mentioned, in um, certain chips, which there's, you know, the confusion there. And then to further amplify that, I think that, no offense to them, their uh, their naming of those chips in general is quite stupid. Um, because <laughs> if it were how things work, max, meaning maximum, meaning there cannot be more, should be the best chip. <laughs> <laughs> rather than uh, not the best chip. But, you know, I guess it was when it came out, but not anymore. At the time, so, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's a mess. I don't even know what to say because I'm just like, well, they're going to do what they're going to do and it's going to be dumb and then maybe we'll get used to it. But what does ultra really mean? <laughs> it means really good but less than max. <laughs> Is it less than max, though? I mean, who defined it? Like yeah. That, you know? I don't know. Maximum is the most. But ultra, higher, but right? ultra just sounds more powerful. That was that had so. to have been there. Like there was, there was literally two people in the room. One guy like you, one guy like me, and the guy just happened to be like, "Yeah, but it just sounds more powerful." And everyone's like, mm, "Yeah, yeah, it does." And then they just went with it. This, this corner that Apple's put themselves in at this point, they've got to they've got to go better than Pro at every turn. When Pro has should have really always probably been the top tier device of whatever they're going to offer. And if they're going to offer something better, it really should make sense as to why that is better than a professional tier for that product. I mean, even if you think of in terms of chips, which, you know, as, as we say, is a, is a particular mess, but M2, M1 Pro is not a particularly pro chip. I mean, it's, I mean, it's the second, uh, the second most non-pro chip of all of the <laughs> Apple Silicon chips for the Mac that they actually offer. So it's uh, it is it is particularly particularly curious, but I think my one takeaway from them at least moving to change some of these names is I was getting a little concerned that Apple was settling into the whole thing of Pro and Pro Max, which is fine, but it's not it's definitely not perfect. At least it shows they are aware and that they are <laughs> iterating on that naming system. We, we, it may take us a long time to get there, but maybe eventually we will. Yeah. Okay, I mean, numbers so. are really boring, but sometimes you wonder if they should have just done numbers. Not that I should use them as an example because they've also ruined everything and made it super confusing. But if you look at like Intel up until semi recently, it was dumb. I didn't like the naming scheme, but i3, i5, i7, i9, you're like, okay, bigger number, better. Um, and keeping specific names, Max, Ultra, Pro, now, now, which one is better than which? There's no sensical deduction. You can't go, oh, yeah, five is bigger than three, so that one must be better. No. You go, oh, yeah, right. max, so that's obviously the best because that means the most. And then, uh, no. <laughs> then you got ultra. 
which is above that right, apparently. Right. I I get it. I've always just said like the iPhone should just be called the iPhone and then you have two sizes and then the iPhone 14 Pro and you have two sizes. We don't need to add another word. If you're making especially now that they're making them the same device, just one's bigger. Um and well, the they bat- do that with their laptops, right? So Right, you know, like you've got the 14 and the 16 inch, and they're the same hardware oftentimes. So yes. why, yeah? So just keep it that way, and we don't need a MacBook Air. Just call it the MacBook, and just leave it alone, and you're good to go. Like we know the MacBook is less than the MacBook Pro, just given the name, and then you can do the same thing with iPad and iPad Pro. And I guess the Mini is something we'll, you know, I don't know, we'll figure that out. But yeah, just naming in general not great. But the phone, from rumors standpoint, do seem. Or it does seem kind of nice. Of course, you know, we are getting USB-C because Apple just genuinely wanted to give us what we wanted and they weren't strong-armed by any means. (laughs) That's right. That's right. We had nothing to do with Hartley's people over there. Not one bit. Well, you're not talking yet. I think they finally just, you know, USB-C is now finally ready for, for mass adoption, you know. It's only USB if you're only speed. just, <laughs> only just now, only just now, <laughs> but and only if you're getting the regular, you're only getting 2.0. Yeah. If you're getting the regular <laughs> devices, you're not getting fast speed. So let's talk about that a little bit. Is that so? Does that surprise you? And I'm gonna guess your answer is no, <laughs> no. And for most people, it doesn't really matter, right? But it's just like, why? And USB is already so convoluted and has been convoluted forever. And frankly, unfortunately, because Apple... Okay, so would this make it the first USB 2 Apple device that Apple's released? I think it would. Uh, USB 2... Yeah, 2.0 USB-C. Because even the... The uh, uh, entry-level iPad, the 10th generation, also is... right. Yep. Uh, that's basically okay. how how you know it's a it's a done deal because they're already doing yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say because and you see in the comments people are like, well, I never plug my iPhone into my computer, so who cares? And that's true. Sure. But why? How much work is it to make it faster? Um, not to mention the fact that USB C is already a hyper convoluted standard, and I feel like finally we're mostly moving away from USB two uh, being part of type C. Um, I mean, it's very rare to find a USB 2 device and Apple's just starting to intro them, um, which is annoying. I, but then again, I, I don't know. It's been a mess for years. I, for example, famously, the, the charging cables that they've included with their laptop since 2015, since the, you know, the 12-inch MacBook, those have been, because they're six feet long, those have always been uh, USB 2.0. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people, like tons of support forms, which is hilarious. You go to you go to the Apple's, um, I don't even know what they call them now, Apple's community support or whatever. And um, for for years you would see, I don't know why the speed on my MacBook is, it, my MacBook is so slow, I've plugged in this device or whatever. And the top question is always, are you using the charging cable that came with the computer? And people go, yep. And they're like, well, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's partially USB-C's fault, right? Or the USB kind of, uh, what are they called again? The, the USB uh, regulatory body. I don't remember their name, the but Supreme it's partially Council. their fault because, <laughs> yeah, there's no standardization in, in marking or identifying, right? So you look at a cable and someone says, how fast is this? And you're like, mm, I don't know. Let's try it. 
I don't know if there's data pins. I don't know if it's USB 2. I don't know if it's USB 3. I don't know if it's Thunderbolt. I mean, you can generally guess if it's Thunderbolt. With Thunderbolt, yeah. And USB 4 is a whole other thing. And so, but not yeah. all the time. Yeah, right. I can't so tell you how many times kind of I've picked a up a cable and been like, I have no idea what the speed is for this, but I'm going to try it. And right. Here we go. Right. And for the answer is probably it's fine because for most people, they don't know or they don't care. And some people will go, you know, oh, I'm going to plug in this cable. And maybe it's a USB 2 cable and they are none the wiser. And that's why there's a lot of tech people that kind of freak out about USB-C and say, oh, Apple should not be doing this because USB-C is a mess and it's not a good standard. And it might be messy, but the people who care are typically the people that will figure it out. And those that don't, whatever, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it totally makes sense, so, right, Hartley? Like it just... It makes sense as to why they would do it I, I, in terms of like, okay, well, that's going to be a pro feature because the pros are the ones who are pro pros are the ones who are probably going to want to transfer, you know, pro raw video into into their Macs. And they certainly can't do that uh, with 2.0 speeds. So, I mean, I, it makes sense, but I just don't see yeah, why I they think so. I think it's 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 also the the point that Apple is looking next year, unfortunately, to separate these models out even more, um, and not just make that um, between the pro and non-pro models, but also between the models within, within those individual lineups. And while this won't um, separate in the individual lineups, that's something that is also playing into the change toward ultra. Um, but it it does mean that they can now clearly prove a reason uh a yet another reason that is a difference between the pro and non-pro models they can tell you I, i'm sure that it will be i mean if it's if it is what it is, if it's thunderbolt uh three speeds then i think that's about 80 times faster than usb2 so yeah that's that, that those are the sort of things that they're going to put on the on the ad and the marketing material which is ultimately driving quite a lot of these decisions and at least driving the decisions to treat the lineup in this way because um, you know, if, if it's to be believed, the iPhone 14 lineup hasn't really worked in the way that Apple wanted it to. They're, they're, they're priced, everything is priced very close together. Um, and so everyone's just bought the pro models because there's just not enough to really separate those. And most people have made that judgment that it's just worth spending a few hundred extra dollars and, and moving up. Um, so I think next year, that's what they're, they're trying to do. They're trying to make it uh, much, much harder to justify. Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, you look at the, uh, it, they'll definitely want to increase the delta. And then I I agree that the part of the reason why they've likely waited, I mean, most of it is feet dragging, right? And and they're doing it now because they're essentially required to. <laughs> I guess they have a, they had another year, right? So they could release this next iPhone as, as another lightning model. Um, I think that it was likely already in the works they've likely considered it time and time again and we're just waiting to kind of I, I don't know what they were waiting for but no doubt they will market it as a pro level feature because i think that the way that they're going to be able to rationalize in their marketing no no no, no we weren't first to do this we wanted to do this is by adding you know thunderbolt 4 or usb 4 support where you get crazy speeds and they'll say oh this is you know the fastest smartphone uh, you know, you can transfer, and, and if you transfer it to our MacBook, where we've also got crazy SSDs, we can transfer it three gigabytes a second or whatever, faster yeah. than any other phone. Um, and it's a, it's an awesome marketing thing, rather than going, yeah, it's on here because it should have been four years ago, and here you go. 
they always figure out a way to just spin it in their favor. And even people like me and you guys who know better are just like, yeah, that is cool. Oh, wait, wait, no, 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 no. You should have done this years ago. I'm not letting you up. But then you, you get sucked in. They're so good at their marketing. Like Dynamic Island. I do think it's it's cool. It's a nice way to, like, hide the notch, um, you know, that or not go with the notch but still hide that area and make it useful, I guess. But, like, I don't know. Have you guys all been underwhelmed by it after a couple of months of just not using it as much? Live activities makes it useful, but that's about it. I'm I'm whatever on it. I like live activities from the lock screen actually, but that does not require the dynamic island. Right. Uh, it's it's neat, but yeah, I've I mean, there's some people that swear by it and are like, oh, it's the most magical thing ever, and I could never go back. Uh, I forget they're there. Sometimes I'll see that they're up there, which is still not that common yet, right? Because yeah. there's a lot of apps just haven't anything, and I'll go, oh. And then I never use it. <laughs> and frankly, having to having to push and hold on the on the island long enough for the card to pop down, I usually just tap it and go back to the app because the phones are so fast. It's not like you're like loading the app up. I mean, the difference right. in speed between opening the app directly and opening the, the live activity from the dynamic island is about the same time. So why not get the full app, right? But I don't know. I think a lot of people wanted that gesture to be the tap to be the card and then press and hold if you wanted to go into the app, but they didn't do it that way for whatever reason. I don't know. Yeah, I would appreciate they'd be reversed. Or if they did this super cool thing where they added force sensitivity to the iPhone where you don't have to oh. wait for some weird arbitrary time delay for it to be a secondary layer. I don't know. It's just an idea. That's You should probably like consider patenting that. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> And of course, Dynamic Island will be one of these things that we're just not going to stop hearing about. By, by the well, time we get to next year, we're going to be so, so sick of it because when they introduce uh, the iPhone standard, <laughs> iPhone 15 Right, models, that's why I brought it up. It, yeah, because it's, it's, be, it's going to go from being on one billboard to just on the opposite yeah. billboard. It's yeah. the exact same. I um, hope you like so. it because it's going to all of the iPhones is my point of why I'm why I'm asking. It's not useful now as much as we thought it was going to be. And that was another example of good marketing. Like we saw, I mean, how many of us saw that and was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Like I was not expecting that at all. Um, and then you kind of get it in hand. You're like, oh, the video is better. Like what they showed me was better than what I'm doing now. Yeah, I mean, it's, I like it's it. better than... It's better than having nothing up there, right? Sure. It is a yeah. it is a UI improvement, but it's not so indispensable that if my next phone didn't have one, I would go, "Oh, where's the island? I need it." Mm-hmm. Eh. It's cool, but it's also yeah. I'm just lukewarm on it. <laughs> More interesting to kind of see how this would have would have played out if it had actually been with the notch, because of course it could have been right. You know, some yeah. people that have been working with jailbreaks have effectively effectively sort of retroactively added it in one way or another. Um, and it, it does, of course, conceptually, there's a little bit less space for it, but it does work. Um, and I sort of, I wonder if Apple had sort of embraced it a little bit sooner, um, how people would feel about it. Because of course, it's it's the way that it's got packaged up with a cutout that does look different to the notch. Yeah. Um, that it, yeah. That's actually what kind of sells the experience um, in a way that, that Apple apple likes um yeah, well, i just i want uh, if that if that speaks to the actual long-term merit of it is that it's wrapped up in the hardware change 
Yeah, I don't know. One wonders if they had come up with it several years earlier, right? Because when the Notch debuted, everyone was like, oh, that's hideous. And, and everyone knows that once you bought the phone, like you, you didn't think about it. It was just, right. you know, it was there, but whatever. Um, but it became a, a pain point, I guess, where, again, not normal people, but tech enthusiasts were like, oh, my goodness, it's it's 2021 and they still have a Notch. Oh, they made it this much smaller. Who cares? And if it had had the dynamic island functionality, because even people that are not, um, you know, Apple fans can look at the dynamic island and go, okay, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Um, and if it had been around since, you know, 2017, <laughs> when the Notch debuted, eh, I don't know, maybe. And, and we'd certainly be a lot further along in the kind of usefulness of it and, and third-party app support. But I don't know. What's going to be the first yeah. Android phone to officially support and adopt a very similar feature because you can download an app that does stuff right now but yeah i'm gonna go with oppo (laughs) (laughs) they just seem to be the the ones that do it (laughs) for no reason at all maybe but right right um what do you okay so you could live without the dynamic island can you live without physical buttons i'm actually really interested and potentially excited about this okay um the reason why is because my current iphone 14 pro has a weird power button and i don't know why it just it it works but it feels wrong it's like it's misaligned (laughs) or something is it, it feels weird and sometimes like sometimes it'll work but i get no physical feedback there's no click it's just like wet and mushy and gross um and so i took it into the apple store and was like hey you know i don't want to be like a crybaby but this is kind of annoying and it's misfiring and all that stuff and i kind of got the apple the the new apple store experience where they go well it works i'm like yeah but you can feel it's weird and he goes yeah i can feel it's kind of strange but it's still clicking so i mean it doesn't feel like mine but it still clicks and i'm like (laughs) okay but sometimes it doesn't click though and he's like well unless we can replicate that then you know whatever so i just i have my weird buttoned iphone back um but uh, i mean you take a look at the side buttons and the yeah the side buttons on the device they're they're a fairly low point of failure i think just because they're not used as frequently if you remember the home button prior to the iphone 7 those things i owned a a little independent third-party repair shop and the number of broken home buttons that we got was unbelievable because just i mean there was enough of a gap in between the button and the display that little crumbs and dust and crap and people would spill soda it would just get jammed and lodged in there and the button feel would immediately go downhill and then when the iphone 7 came around we were all kind of skeptical because we're like well it's a button but it's not a button but for those that had used the 2015 MacBook with the with the haptic, you know, force touch trackpads, we were like, okay, this might actually be pretty good. And while the iPhone 7 didn't feel exactly like a physical button, it felt good enough that you're like, oh yeah, this is this is good. And I think, in fact, I, I go back and you go back and touch an iPhone 7 home button and it still feels very good and it feels very even. It's like they're trackpads. And then you go to a, an older iPhone and you have the kind of like wobbliness of a button where, yeah, like, but it's not a satisfying button. So Apple removed it because it was presumably a point of failure and doing it haptically would increase the reliability. And it did. And there you go. Um, I think this would be the same kind of move where if you can 
make the exterior of the case in essence kind of fully closed and you remove the only remaining moving pieces on the phone, the likelihood that those get broken goes down a lot. Um, and I think that they could probably do really cool stuff to make it feel realistic. I mean, we've, we've seen multiple times over that their haptic touch devices are close enough to the real thing that you don't even think twice about it. And so I, I think it's something that could happen. I also think that like the dynamic Island, they're not just going to throw another haptic engine up there and go, yeah, these buttons that moved, they don't move anymore. Um, and there you go. And you won't even notice difference. Cause that's like, okay, but that's not really a marketing thing. So Apple's going to have to add some feature that makes it, you know, more, uh, more impressive. And I think that that will speak, I mean, they're going to add a different level of kind of rumble. I don't know. Like when Nintendo released the switch and they had just linear haptic vibration motors, but they're like, this is the HD rumble and tilt the joy con around and see how many balls are inside of your joy con. Are there, are there three marbles or four? Um, I think Apple will do something similar where once they have multiple haptic engines, you can get really, really, really clever with vibration and haptic feedback. And I think there's some really cool software and maybe third party features in store for that. So I don't know. I think people will be more sensitive for seeing those features as well, because oh, yeah. I think there's some, there's bigger trade-offs um, in making this change than there possibly were when moving uh, to the, the haptic home button, because now mm -hmm. um, it, it's apparently will be the case that there will be two additional haptic engines, one on either side of the device. Now that's going to take up quite a bit of internal space, um, but also it's going to draw more power. And if mm. I don't know how, how how true that will actually be when you consider that uh, people were quite animated about the fact that the haptic keyboard in uh, iOS 16 uh, used additional battery because it was in an Apple support document. But you don't you can think. Bet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the moving to uh, moving to you know add two new haptic engines into the device, and every single time you lock your device, um, will people be concerned about additional power draw? Is that going to be something that Apple's got to got to um, make sure that they make it very clear that that's not a you're not you're not hemorrhaging that much internal space, and you're not actually hemorrhaging that much battery life? Um, and then the other thing that I'm concerned about because I love using Apple's cases is, of course, if you're covering these buttons up. Which you would mm. never have done with the uh, with the haptic home button, uh, and if you have to have recessed buttons on a case, um, I hate it. I think it always feels uh, really bad. And Apple's buttons, whether they're on the silicon cases or the the metal buttons that are on the aluminium uh, the aluminium buttons that are on the leather cases, they always feel really good. And they're not going to be able to do that anymore. They will have to be uh, chunky buttons that are actually on the device. Um, and I don't see how they're going to be able to get around that. So in order to sell it as an actual quality of life enhancement, uh, I completely agree. It's got to have that that sort mm -hmm. of that special software feature. But I can't quite imagine what that will be just yet. That is an interesting thought, right? Because historically, the, the trackpads and everything else that Apple has released with that functionality, they're capacitive in nature because they have to be. But then in many instances, in the case of the trackpad, not so much in the, well, yeah, in the case of the phone too, they all had, you know, force input, right? And so there was some force sensor there that determined, yeah, okay, this is a human finger or something that's at least capacitive and there's pressure being applied to it. Let's register that as a click. 
Um, I mean, there are certainly cases that they could come up with, I think, I just... that would transfer that capacitance to to your thumb. But I do wonder about stuff like gloves um, right. and, and stuff like that. Like, you know, if it, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Isn't it? I'm just going to start putting little bits of human skin on the inside of the cases. Go, to yeah. That's what I was laughing about. I'm thinking of something disgusting over here. Just like, what? how are we going to register? Also, I'm concerned about accidental screenshots because I've already got a bajillion of them now. What are they going to do when I pick it up and it recognizes? It's going to get worse than it already is. It's going to get worse that way because isn't it going to be more sensitive? I don't know. I have, tr- I have faith that they'll figure it out, but, you know. Yeah, I think it could be very, very cool. I do think there will be concerns, like Hartley said, about kind of power consumption, but I think it will be fairly negligible. And I think once people get it, maybe they'll just disable the always on display on the iPhone 15 and then they cancel each other out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, hey, now with the updates, I didn't even bring that up in 16.2. Uh, mm-hmm. I've noticed it's been pretty good in terms of like change. Yeah, changing your wallpaper out for the, the black screen. Well, you just turn There's it off mine. completely. Yeah, I haven't. I've just had it off completely for months, and I haven't thought about it once. I I still like it because I've you know I can glance over and just see it. Well, that's my full on lock yeah. screen. But like if if I wanted to see, I don't I don't understand why you'd want to turn off your notifications because to me that's the whole point um, of an always on display right. is to see what notifications are there and if I need to interact with it. But like I can I don't know if I want my wallpaper showing. I thought it was cool, but then in reality, if it means I'm going to eat up my battery, I'm cool with going to a dark screen, but. I don't know. Yeah, I turned I'll, it off for a little I'll bit too. Try it with the black background because I I turned it off because of power consumption. I thought I think in general these phones have worse battery life than the prior generation, yeah. and amplifies you know that's amplified by the always on display. And so I had moved from an iPhone um, 13 Pro that I could get to the end of the day without fail every single time unless I was traveling and using heavy GPS. But other than that, no problem. I got this had the always on display and like by five or six p.m. I was in into the deep red. And once I've turned that off, it still doesn't last quite as long, but I can make it through a day generally without without charging. Um, and so I'll have to turn it back on because I like the always on display, but I did not like, it was less important to me than being able to go a day without having to find opportunities to plug it in. And I can, I'm at here at the desk, I have my car, but... <laughs> I don't want to think about like, oh, I got to plug that in. It's just nice to not worry about it and then end up at the right. end of the day with, with juice. So I, I just did a whole video on that like yesterday, <laughs> uh, just kind of giving thoughts after three months. And I had a tweet like a month ago or a couple weeks ago where I was like, I love the size of the the Pro. It's perfect. But the battery is so bad that I had to go back to the Pro Max because – I mean, like you said, around 6 p.m., literally when I leave to go home, it's like, okay, well, I, I probably should charge it because I'm not going to make it at the end of the night. Uh, with the Pro Max, uh, even with always on display, you know, he's getting down into the into the low power mode setting that I have around 20%. But, like, you know, you're still able to make it until midnight. Um, now I've noticed that I'm, like, with, like, 30 or 40% still. Um, so I've gained some of it back for sure. Um, hmm. But it didn't really save the Pro all that much, just FYI. So mm. you might want to keep it yeah, off. I, I think I the Pro just to, might be bad in I battery. Might, maybe I shouldn't even try it. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of my major disappointment. I had I had moved, I guess, 2020, so COVID year. Um, or, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was on the uh, iPhone 12 mini. And uh, that was the perfect quarantine phone because, you know, if you had the opportunity to plug it in, I loved the form factor. I missed the mini. It was a great phone. But 
it was plagued by awful battery life. And the 13 Mini redeemed itself a little bit there, but not much. It went from awful to merely bad. Um, <laughs> and so come the 13, I moved to the 13 Pro. And I agree, I, I, the 13 Pro size, that's as big as I am willing to get. Um, even though I know the Pro Max would be better from a, from a battery standpoint, and even though this year there's no differentiation between the Pro and Pro Max models, if in the future and in the past, as they have done in the past, that you know the biggest model having <clears throat> extra features because of that, I just even if they're cool, I'm like can't do it because it's just so huge that I don't I don't want to. And I'm a big guy; I've got big hands, but I just I don't like big phones. <laughs> Hartley, so. is there going to be uh, any different any like? difference between sizes is the ultra just going to be one size i guess i never looked into that or do we not know that uh, well the ultra would take the place of the the pro max so there, there will be you're gonna uh, have to get the ultra then if you want models. those yeah i guess i'm you're waiting so for mad. that to come to the poor people <laughs> pros on the iphone 16 yeah can't the do poor it. people pros that are going to cost 1100 dollars. unfair yeah well by then maybe they'll be 13 you know but yeah there's going to be a lot of unhappy and unhappy pro users that have got very used to getting those those additional features, and now with it being yeah. split out even further. I mean, this uh, this uh, six times periscope telephoto camera um, will mm. apparently just be exclusive to the largest model, which does seem like a, a shame. It seems like a bit of a missed yeah. opportunity. So the the devices is just getting split out further and further. I'm not so clear on how they will do that at the lower end between uh, the well, this, what will be the standard iPhone 15 and then the iPhone 15 Plus. Um, but I'm assuming that, again, there will be some differentiation in terms of camera features, whether maybe uh, the new sensors that we're expecting, uh, maybe the cheapest model just won't get the new sensor. Um, yeah. but it's, it's, it's just it's, yeah. a, it's a shame. I, I, it's a shame that everything's coming down to, 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 to size um, because when you think about how something like the, the MacBook Pro works, it is such a good experience that whether you buy the 14 or the 16-inch MacBook Pro, you're getting the same hardware. Um, and whenever you've had these devices that have been left with ultimately um, inferior technology, such as the 11-inch iPad Pro and the missing out on a mini-LED display, it always feels like such a missed opportunity and it always makes the device feel a little half-baked as a result. Yeah. No, and, and it kind of makes you wonder why they still exist in the lineup. I mean, I don't know, especially with the with the 11 inch iPad Pro. I, I think they probably anticipated mini LED becoming a thing earlier on. And now I think they're far enough along that they're like, oh, we're just going to go to the, you know, the, the rigid back or the what do they call it? The the semi rigid OLED panels that don't uh, are not quite as. Yeah. wavy that's one of the reasons allegedly that they had not implemented them on the ipad pro is that they couldn't get a consistently flat panel in such a thin design to the point where they didn't get warping and all that stuff and so they need a, a semi-rigid oled panel and those are finally apparently next year starting to become a thing um and so whether or not it'll be on next year's ipad pro or the year after that um i don't know it's it's kind of funny and they're kind of refocusing mini led for for desktop and and laptop displays but um 
Yeah, it always it's always kind of interesting to see how things don't pan out. And I think that part of that, I don't think it's an organizational issue at Apple. I think a lot of it is is COVID really did throw a wrench in things. And so just manufacturing and it's messed everything up <laughs> and it's set timelines back. And so I think that the that the lineup is kind of disjointed as a result of that. But I at the same time, I do think that there are product misses that are the result of you know, this this kind of perceived surprise um, that allegedly Apple has that the that the the iPhone 14 plus is not selling that well is I don't know why that's a shocking thing, because from a from a cost standpoint, it's it's within a stone's throw of the pro models, which have extraordinarily improved hardware and software features. And uh, frankly, you look at the prior generation model, the iPhone 13 Pro, that you can get on sale and on liquidation and on discount for less than you can get an iPhone 14 Plus that's also still better and more fully featured is kind of, I don't know, that that fourth iPhone model, we just see reports year after year after year that Apple's disappointed in the sales. Um, the, the mini was famously disappointing to them, but I think it's, because once you have, I mean, <laughs> maybe I'm oversimplifying things here, but it seems that as you increase the number of models that you offer in your lineup, <laughs> by consequence, the lower number of sales each model will get because you're not necessarily finding people that were on the fence going, oh, well, I wasn't going to spend $1,100 for a big phone, but now I will spend eight, you know, 950 or a thousand. That was the problem. No, the, that's not generally the holdup, especially now that people are owning phones for, you know, three to five years. Um, so I think it's just by nature of consequence, the more models you add into the lineup, the more you're going to eat into the, you know, the sales of your other models, or you're not going to have every single <laughs> phone sell as well as the, you know, as, as your best selling model. Um, and so it's, it's kind of interesting. I'm still hopeful that maybe, um, they do a kind of couple years on, couple years off cycle with the with the plus and with the mini, because I do think, I mean, I I don't know. Part of the problem with the mini, in my opinion, is it was sabotaged by the fact that the SE two had been released just a few months prior. It had been delayed, and so all the people that wanted that small phone that had been waiting were like, "All right, we're going to get it." And then the mini came out and wasn't cheap. It was seven hundred. Was it seven hundred dollars or eight hundred dollars? I think it was, like, it was, I think it was six ninety nine, right? Yeah, yeah, it was expensive enough that it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't an option for the people that were budget shopping. It was more of a premium option for people that wanted a small phone. Many of whom had already upgraded to the the SE two, um, and it sold fine. I mean, you look at the the iPhone twelve and iPhone thirteen mini, and they were consistently in the top ten best selling phone models globally. I mean, they were killing it. But for an iPhone, it was it bad. Wasn't, wasn't good um, enough. <laughs> Right. And we look at the plus sales and for an iPhone, not very good. So I think, you know, rather than trying to pare down the lineup to fewer models, just accept that more models are not always going to mean, you know, kind of smashing success. But maybe that uh, they recognize that there's desire from both the Asian market for the large kind of non-pro phone. And then you have the... Um, desire for a smaller phone in many other regions and so to kind of do a one year on one year off or whatever because i would love for the mini to make a comeback i think it yeah it was, it was a great phone <laughs> well especially if people uh, are coming from like you know an android phone like maybe they found a, a nice android phone that they liked that was a good size but they want to have an iphone 
<clears throat> if you right. can get those people into your ecosystem, yeah, maybe the sales are not so good in that specific device, but then now they might be enthralled and uh, want to check out an iPad Mini and maybe a MacBook Air, and then they're in, they're invested and they're in your service. Now they have Apple TV Plus. I don't know. I mean, there's they they have to have know that. I mean, I'm sure they do. And we've we've heard the the story time and time again. My my editor, I and mean, this is just anecdotal evidence with one person, but my editor was on a Galaxy Fold, and I when the iPhone 14 came out, he thought, oh, this is pretty cool. I might I might get one, but I just don't I don't want to be on an iPhone, and I don't need an iPhone. And he didn't really use any other Apple products, and so there was no. There was no kind of, uh, you know, walled garden debt. There was no reason to get into it. Um, but he did. And now he's looking at a MacBook Air very seriously. He's like, well, there's no good fitness watches in general anywhere, save for the yeah. Apple Watch and the integration with the iPhone is so good. And he's starting to just see that these are little things. But when you add them up, they're, they're quite important. And I think it's why the iPhone, you know, for a few years there, people were kind of, worried because this kind of crazy growth that we had seen from the iPhone was starting to plateau just because everyone had for the first, I mean, there was no one left buying their first smartphone, right? That, that line existed for years and years and years, especially in developing markets where even up until, you know, 2015, 2016, you had people buying their first smartphone. That's not really a thing anymore. Um, So now that the product line is mature and sales have kind of tapered off, People were worried for a couple of years, but Apple's integration with their ecosystem and their focus on uh, privacy and security, especially in the United States, but even elsewhere in the world, Apple is just slowly but surely chipping away at global market share. Everyone else's handset shipments are down and Apple just keeps slowly crawling up and up and up and up and up. And I think as these things get more tightly integrated, more than ever, it just... You know, I. It's funny how this. We. I don't want to spoil a, a future video. We have a an ARM based Windows Dev Kit. That's a pretty cool little machine, and I use Windows to game on occasionally. And when I was using this machine, I was like, you know, this is a pretty good little piece of hardware. I could use this as my daily computer, and I wouldn't really, I wouldn't really be like, oh, I miss this thing about Mac OS. But I was like, but I literally won't do it. Because it doesn't have AirDrop, it doesn't have continuity clipboard, and it doesn't nope. have iMessage, so it's not even a it's not even an option, not even a candidate. Um, if and, I had a dollar uh, for yeah. every time I I had that thought, it would be mostly with yeah. phones. I, I want to use a Fold yeah. on a daily. Like I think it just that's it seems like a good phone that I would like to use and try, you know. And I like the yeah. Pixel Seven Pro's camera more than I I think for photos, not for video. It's still trash but like i still i still really like taking photos with that i think the the processing is great and sometimes i just like android a little more i'm just in an android mood i will not make a switch just because i don't feel like going through having to get yelled at at people for ruining the group chat which is a legit (laughs) thing that sounds like we're in high school but it is we all know that i just don't want to be that guy so i just won't do it and then it doesn't work with my mac it just it's not there's no continuity there all right the last thing we do have to talk about Hartley. Did you want to chime in real quick on any of that before we move on? Uh, well, I, I guess my, 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 the thing I wonder is that whether part of it is coming down to how Apple targeted some of these devices, like the, uh, the iPhone 12 and 13 <laughs> mini. I do wonder how uh, an iPhone 12 Pro mini would have done. And I wonder how uh, an iPhone 14 plus at, a, at ultimately a lower price point or a large iPhone 
uh, SE would really have done. I, I sort of wonder if Apple has misconstrued where the where where the markets are um, and where the voices that that do want these, uh, as, as the case may be, a larger phone or a smaller phone, yeah. uh, really are. Um, that 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 would be the main the main thing that 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 I would really like to know if that's going to happen. Um, in ultimately in the form of things like um, the sort of Apple experimenting more with the SE line and perhaps bringing that that mini um, form factor ultimately actually to be a fully fledged iPhone SE alongside maybe also uh, a larger model. I think that's that's possibly the long term direction of travel, but they're just experimenting with bringing them out in places that I, I do wonder if it's obviously what their market research must be indicating. But is that really the uh, the place where they would do best? Yeah, because initially, I mean, when the, the mini came out and the sales were poor, I think a lot of people were like, oh, well, we thought that the, the mini phone was popular because the SE sold so well. But it, it's not really that. It's just that people want a cheap phone and the yeah. SE happens to be small, right? <laughs> I don't, I don't um, think the size was and, the reason, guys. I don't think. Yeah, uh... right, right. And so and I think that the, the iPhone mini was objectively successful by every other brand's measure than Apple. It's just that there's not that many people that want to spend 800 bucks on a mini iPhone, just like there's not that many people that want to spend eight, 900 bucks on a non pro plus phone. And so maybe if you keep one of those occasionally in the lineup for the few people that exist that do want to spend a thousand dollars on a mini phone. Um, but then you have an SE lineup that's really strong that has those form factors locked in at the low end for the many, many, many people that buy the SE. I don't know. I think if they just make a $450 iPhone mini, it would probably crush it. Like, keep it in line with, like, the same. Yeah, I, I, th I think that would be a good price point, no? Like, be the same phone as everyone else. You know, obviously not a pro model, but, like, in the 450 range, make the plus, like, 550 and then differentiate. But they would never do that. But, I mean, that's just too little for them. But, like, <laughs> yeah. Google, the, the Pixel 7 is 550 right? And that is literally almost the same phone as the Pro, besides a couple of camera features in there. And it's smaller. So, I mean, like, I'm surprised. I mean, no one's buying it because it's a Pixel, but, you know. Uh, in terms of the last thing I wanted to talk about, it's still based off of the iPhone 15. We're going back to the Ultra here. Uh, I'm going to pull up an image, and I want you to tell me your thoughts on this rumored design. What do you think about this guy right here? Can you see it? Is anyone? I don't know how the software works. Yeah. So. Okay, yeah. cool. Looks looking good. Looking. Do, do Do you like this uh, this rumored design of like a five C style curved edges? Um, uh, supposedly, this would be titanium. In short, uh, big yes. Okay. I uh, I like the visual design of the flat iPhones that we've had, the iPhone, you know, four form factor as it were. Um, but it's not uh, comfortable. <laughs> it's not, it's not better in the hand. Um, I went back Definitely to not. Uh, last year, I broke my uh, iPhone 13 pro for, I had to send it off to an Apple care repair for like, I don't know, a couple days. Um, I don't think they, this is a side note, uh, just a fun fact. I don't think they do advanced replacement anymore unless you have the AppleCare Plus theft. So if you just have regular AppleCare Plus, they don't do the kind of advanced replacement anymore. 
uh, you mean the express replacement where they just mail it into you? Yeah, like a new one? right. I, so yep. I just, I just did that. One? I just did that. Oh, really? It's actually arriving today. But let me check and see what I have um, mm. on that. You guys talk amongst yourselves. Because maybe I was lied to, but I was like, <laughs> are you for real? Like, you've got to have, like, what does theft and loss have anything to do with getting a replacement same day? Anyway, um, so I... Uh, I moved for probably three or four days to an iPhone 11 Pro. And while I, <laughs> I I missed certain aspects of the iPhone 13 Pro, I laughed in many ways because after a day, it was, I didn't even really care. <laughs> it's like, whatever. It's pretty much the same phone. The, <laughs> the only thing that was, that was obviously worse was the camera. But the form factor was one of the things that I ended up really, really, really liking. And when I got the 13 Pro back, I was like, this just doesn't feel as good to hold. Um, yeah. And so I like rounded corners. I think the idea of keeping it kind of flat, but uh, flat on the display, because I do like a flat display. So keeping the glass flat, but then rounding, taping, tapering the back is a pretty cool move, whether or not they can pull it off um, and whether or not they would do it in titanium. I don't know. I guess they probably would over aluminum, right? Because they've set the precedent that aluminum is not a premium material anymore. <laughs> right. So it would probably have to be something else. But I think it would be potentially awesome, especially because these phones are so freaking heavy and titanium is a lot lighter. That's one benefit. And then the other huge benefit is even though the new, um, I forget what Apple's marketing name is for it now, even though the new glass that they're using is is quite shatter resistant, I still see a ton of people with rear broken glass. Um, and so to be able to just get rid of glass where there doesn't technically need to be glass, great, do it. Hartley, what are your thoughts on that design? I think that it's uh, it's possibly the iPhone design that is uh, perhaps where it's always been heading with 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 this sort of perfect balance of the, the things that people really love about a flat display and having a uh, something that does have the the sort of the portrait of flat edges but just the the hand feel of the curved edges and of course they did they did do this before with the iPhone 5C um, but i think that what's happened with iPhone designs is that the the nature of the discussion around them has not evolved with the the size and the weight of the phones because flat edges make more sense um, on a small device and that's right. why people have such fond memories of the iPhone 4 and the iPhone 5, because it's the way that your your hand is able to, to cup the, um, the the flat edges and actually grip properly. Um, it's, it serves a purpose in, in a way that it just can't when you're having something that's got a, a heavy stainless steel frame. Um, and now with devices that have 6.7 inch displays. Um, and really, the larger you go, um, the more curved edges you actually want the device to have. Um, so this, I think is the, 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 the perfect balance. I just hope that they, that when they get this at, at long last, um, and they, and it's something they're obviously going for, because this is basically, um, uh, the design of the MacBook pros, the design of the MacBook air that we now have, and yeah, they, yep. they've tapped into the fact that this is a really appealing, um, design. Uh, I just, I hope that they don't get bored of it as they seem to every three years and refresh <laughs> it for something something uh, wild it's just like yeah. it is the perfect design in my opinion i i really like it i think it especially i mean if that's that render and that concept is you know true and i mean it's based off of the rumors but like just take what that guy did do do that just do what he did and i think people would love it and then you know you'll have to figure out the button situation but um 
I mean, I'm on board with it. I hope that's what it looks like. Um, as long as they keep the display flat, no one likes curved displays ever. And so that uh, looks like that's what they would do. But, yeah. All right, cool. I'm glad we're on, on the same page. I thought there might have been – I thought Hartley would have been the one who would say he didn't like it. But <laughs> Well, I, yeah, I just – I hope – um, Go that? ahead. I hope that – Uh-oh, we're doing that thing where we're just waiting for each other to talk. <laughs> Can you hear us, Hartley? Oh, my God. Hartley. Hello? Yes. Can you hear us? Oh. Yes. Did we lose you as a person? Uh, Are you all right? Uh, yeah, I was <laughs> did you, fine. I, did just, you just, I don't know if I just lost you for a split second. <laughs> um, you, you were like <laughs> there and moving. <laughs> talking to us and like then you just stopped but you were still moving you weren't frozen so we were so confused as to like is he okay why aren't you talking you ever seen those like videos of people who are about to pass out when they're live on television and they're like (laughs) (laughs) i thought you were about to do that for a minute i'm like are you okay i know you're sick and like recovering so i want to make sure you're good okay i'm good okay so what were what were you saying uh... uh I honestly don't remember. Um, I think that the uh, the thing for me um, is that t- the titanium has got to come. I actually think I'm more concerned about the titanium than I am about the uh, mm-hmm. the curved edges because it's the weight of the d- these devices that it, that bothers me more than the flat edges because you can you can get round the edges with a case ultimately. I think you can get used to them, but it's the weight where they would be able to make that um, with make that saving. Um, with titanium i just don't know how much difference it will make um, in terms of having glass on the back of the device um, because they will still have to do that of course to enable wireless charging um i don't think they're going to be able to come up with some some new solution to actually have it be a solid titanium back on the device um and i don't know how that will will look and i don't know if that still means the device is going to end up quite heavy Um, but if they can do it if they can do a, a full titanium chassis um and these curved edges i think I think they're really onto a winner, um, and I think this will be the this will be the real thing that actually drives a lot of interest and a lot of sales because people love a design refresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, weight is a major consideration, especially. I mean, these phones just keep getting heavier and heavier and heavier, right? Because you even the MagSafe magnets added a considerable amount of weight. I went back and held. Um, I've got a box of phones on the floor actually, <laughs> and in that <laughs> box is an iPhone Seven Plus, um, and it feels impossibly light compared to my much smaller iPhone 14 Pro. Um, you know, they're not the same size at all, but the, the plus, it just felt, you know, with the aluminum and without all the crap, without the huge camera assembly, it just feels so much thinner. And I do think that a lot of the discomfort with the current form factor is just that they are so, so heavy. Um, it's kind of funny how we went from the iPhones being, you know, small, but pretty dense you go back and feel the original iPhone and that's pretty dense. And then it gets to the point where you, you hold an iPhone six and you're like, this is not a real phone. Um, like this is fake. You go back and hold an iPhone six and it is so thin. I think most people have forgotten how thin it is that you hold it in your hand and you're like, this is a joke phone. (laughs) (laughs) It almost feels futuristic because of how ridiculously thin it is. Um, and obviously, I think where they've gone is good. I'm not saying they should make things thin again because there were a huge number of downsides that came with that form factor. Um, and I think the phones that we've got now are in a pretty good spot. They've made them a little beefier for larger batteries and they've done all this stuff. But um, 
if and where they can trim down the weight, that would be nice. And to your point, Hartley, I think you nailed it on the head. It actually, this design that is in the renders, it matches their the rest of their kind of current lineup. The, you open up a MacBook Pro, the modern MacBook Pro, and it's the same form factor, right? You have a completely flat keyboard deck, and then you have a tapered bottom edge. The display on the other half of the laptop is just like that as well. Ironically, the iPads no longer look like that, but, but, but all of the iPads up and until this point were the same, where the glass was perfectly flat, but then they had a tapered um, to flat back. And the form factor on old iPads is amazing. Um, not that I don't like the new ones cause all the iPads are so thin and light that it's like, it's like holding a, you know, like a perfectly flat, uh, I don't know, like impossible wedge, but <laughs> you go back and hold the, the older iPads. We have a, our teleprompter iPad is the, I think it's the ninth generation. No, it's the, I think it's the eighth generation basic iPad. So it was the $329 iPad two generations ago. And I go back and every time I hold that, even though it's got the home button and all that stuff, I'm like, this feels really, really good. It's more comfortable to hold than my iPad Pro is with squared edges. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I thought I was going to be the same the, the same way, like love the square. And I do love the look of it, yeah. but it, it is just kind of uncomfortable, especially when you go back and pick up those old ones. So... I I'm on board with this and I personally cannot wait, but we are going to have to wait. Is there anything else that you guys um, are excited about when it comes to the iPhone 15 before we wrap up here? Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Yeah. I mean, there's really, there's really not a lot to be excited about nine months out, but I mean, there are a couple of options and things that are going to happen. I think it's just going to be, you know, you're going to have to wait until they get it into a smaller size because, I just don't think you're going to want to use it. It's going to be massive. I'm guessing they're just going to force it all into the 6.7-inch form factor, like Harley said. Yeah. Um, is there any plug? You got anything new coming up, or you just want to pitch the old channel for those who don't know? Yeah, we have some things in the works, but uh, they are not ready to be announced yet. So <laughs> oh, for man. the current point in time, uh, you can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash snazzy. Cool. Uh, and that's pretty much all I'm doing. But yeah, there's some there's some things in the works. Follow me on Twitter if you want to see me be sassy. Uh, Twitter.com/snazzyq, and that's about it. Well, uh, seriously, thank you so much for joining us. I'm glad that you were you were patient with us in our rescheduling because you know it's hard to coordinate everybody's schedules these days. But Uh, no problem. I was late anyway, so you're the ones that were patient. I wasn't gonna say anything. (laughs) We've got like a foot of snow out there. It's been snowing for five days straight. It's crazy. Seriously? Oh man, I'm dreading that. I'm in Upper Ohio, Cleveland area, and like just usually we're shocked at how little snow we've gotten so far. We've gotten nothing, and Mm -hmm. I just it's coming. I know it is. I just don't want it to. But yeah, we usually get one or two really good storms a year, and we've had like three in a row. I think in the last. Four or five days, we've gotten like 30 inches in the oh, valley wow. where we're at. In the mountains, it's been like six feet or something crazy like that. So it's been good for skiing. Hartley, how much snow you got over there? <laughs> uh, we had a we had a few inches of snow, but it's, a, really? it's unusual. Really? Even you guys are beating us? Yeah. Oh, we got to <laughs> step up our snow game. All right. Well, thank you so much, and uh, we'll catch everyone in the next episode. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. 
With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 